Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, we're joined by Yotsna, the best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and founder of Happy Self Publishing. Yotsna, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rian. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Yeah, I'm delighted to have you. As I mentioned beforehand, I was going through a list of potential guests I like on the show, and you were uh, a list of 20 people, and I picked a two, you being one of them. Yay! <laughs> First part of the show is always kind of getting to know our guests. Typical audience of this is kind of SMB owners across the UK and Ireland. Um, so for those who've not heard of you before, let's go back to the beginning. Two questions. One, where did you grow up? And two, what was, uh, have you any fond favorite memories of growing up wherever you grew up? Well, I uh, grew up in India and I still live in India. So nice. um I've been here all my life, though I love traveling, I like coming back to India. So that's where I grew up. And uh, some fond memories from my childhood. Um, Well, I think, uh, I think I spent most of my childhood studying a lot for my examinations. So I think the real fun started when I started my college where I didn't have to study that hard. That's Mm. how Indian uh, typical childhood is where you prepare your entire childhood for all these competitive exams. And then by the time you're an adult, you realize all of that really doesn't matter. What, what part of India are you in? Do you mind me asking? Sure. I live in the south of India in a city called Chennai. Nice. Nice. I've, I've, I've never been. It's on my list of countries to go to. I, I travel a lot. I've, I've, I'm, I usually, before COVID, I was on a plane probably once every 10 days traveling to a different wow. country. So um, I got to go on my first plane for the last 18 months, two weeks ago. I was in Portugal for a week. So um but uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I remember. That's why we rescheduled this recording, right? Exactly. Exactly. How was it? Yeah, it was very good. It was nice. It was nice and relaxing. I just I've been crazy busy with work, and I wanted to take a couple of days out to kind of hit the reset button. And yeah, it was it was good. So I've got a few more uh, trips planned before the end of the year, but I only do them when I hit certain targets. So I got to keep working. Um, nice. Sticking with your early days before we move on, and I know you mentioned prepping for your exams, and I've got a couple of questions around that, but have you any, let me rephrase it actually, usually my guests, when I ask this question, can point to, you know, uh, a friend, a colleague, a relative, an acquaintance, a, 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 a teacher, someone who had a big impact on them in their youth that mm-hmm. helped them become the person they are today. Does any person, there could be a number of people spring to mind for you? Yeah, I think the first person who comes to my mind is my older cousin. Uh, she is as old as my mom, okay? But she was the only woman in my family who decided to also focus on her career along with being a mom. Uh, because in India, especially in the previous generation, most women were housewives and that mm. was the typical way of life. But this one woman who was my uh, cousin, she broke all the norms. She went ahead and did her MBA and then she took up a career and she was traveling around the world. And I was this little girl looking up to her and I was wishing that, yes, one day I need to be successful as her. So she made a huge impact on me. What's her name? Her name is Sharda. Well, shout out to Sharda. 
Um, and it's great to see that people can have a positive impact on other people. Um, you mentioned university or college. I'm not too sure what you call it in India. Um, you studied nutrition and dietetics. Yeah, uh, that's right. Now you're the founder of uh, Happy Self Publishing. What made you pick nutrition and dietetics? And then the second part of that is what made you pivot to being uh, an entrepreneur? Sure. So I just wanted to escape studying engineering because that's what I told my parents that I would do. But mm. by the time I finished school, I realized I didn't want to do that. I wanted to study something else and I had no clue what I wanted to study. So I happened to uh, visit a college just to see what courses they offer. And I happened to stumble upon nutrition uh, and I loved it for a couple of reasons. One is it did not have math as one of the subjects, <laughs> unlike most other courses that that college had. And secondly, I found that this is something I can really apply in my real life. Mm. So that's why I just make a, made a spontaneous decision without really looking at the long-term career prospects of that degree. Okay, nice, interesting. Um, well, let's get into all good things uh, business. You're the founder of Happy Self Publishing, which I've already alluded to. You've helped over 500 others from 35 countries. Um, but rather than me give your elevator pitch or 30 second commercial <laughs> why don't you tell the listeners what it is that you do sure we help visionary leaders who could be coaches consultants agency owners or corporate leaders who have a message inside them but they're too busy doing all the good stuff that they're doing which is why they're not getting the time to write a book so we help them through the entire process of writing publishing and marketing their books and making it a bestseller so that they can use it to amplify their messages and do bigger things in life. So we are basically a self-publishing agency for these purpose-driven entrepreneurs. I like it. You've definitely rehearsed your 30-second commercial. Um, <laughs> what I'll do is, for anyone listening or watching this, I'll leave links below if anybody wants to find out more information. I, 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 I'm sure anyone listening to this is aware of who Brian Tracy is. Uh, Brian Tracy has endorsed you guys as well. So you're definitely worth checking out. And if you've de dealt with people from over 35 countries and over 500, helped 500 people become authors, uh, that itself is enough evidence. So there's links below wherever you're watching or listening to this to find out more information. We'll mention that a couple of times in the podcast, but I've got a question for you around books and it's why might someone consider writing a book? To me, I've always seen books because when I look at books, not all books make a huge profit. You're not going to be come to GMX, yeah. JK Rowling off writing a book instantly, but I've always seen books as like your business card to have. Um, and it, it, that's the way I've looked at people who write books. As mm -hmm. a, it, it's, it's a good advantage to have, but from someone who owns a, a book publishing company, why might someone consider writing a book? Uh, this is such a good question, Rian. And people write books for a plethora of different reasons. Mm. And that's the first question we ask our clients when they sign up with us as to why do you want to become an author? Because if they have a strong enough reason, they will end up working with us for a few months till the book becomes a reality. Otherwise, if they don't have a strong purpose, they're going to give up midway so that's why it's an important question so i hear a range of answers like you know uh, this is like a tribute to my grandma or uh, i just uh, want to make sure my kids are proud of me things like that to the things that you are mentioning that you know i want to use the book as a lead magnet to attract the right clients the next time when i want to schedule a meeting with a prospective client i want to impress them with a book rather than a brochure so those are different reasons right so usually we get Typical writers who love writing books, who keep writing one book after the other, 
those are people who I consider as writers. And there are also people who are experts, but they not, need not be writers. They just want to be authors. And we typically serve the second kind of clients who are not uh, inherently like brilliant at writing, but they have the expertise hidden inside them and they just need somebody to help them bring it out either through coaching or angel writing to get the content out of them, put it into a manuscript format and then help them with the publishing steps. Okay. Okay. Well, let's look at the other flip side of that. Um, there's this um, thing that I log into that gives me access to a specific conference and watch previous uh, videos. They usually have maybe 35 speakers a year, but I can go back to as far as 2002 and kind of watch every now and again, I'll log into this system and I'll watch talks on specific tracks that I'm interested in learning more about. It could be, you know, good ways to increase the number of referrals was a video I was watching when I was in Portugal. Mm-hmm. I bring this up because I logged into this portal last night in prep for this podcast we're recording right now and wrote mm-hmm. down all the names of the speakers, Googled them. And there was maybe like over the last 20 years, like 400 speakers. I Googled them and there was 22 or 23 of them that had published their own book, but all of them had given a specific talk for over an hour on a specific topic and they've got Mm. good personal brand. So I say that because that's a very small percentage of the 400 people that have published a book. So what do you think it is that holds people back from publishing a book? It's just the, you know, the size of the project. People in their mind think that I can write a speech over a weekend but mm. it may take me months to write a book. So when it comes, uh, when it, when they have to decide between doing urgent things and important things, most people choose the urgent priorities like creating mm-hmm. the slides for their upcoming webinar or running Facebook ads for, you know, those are the day-to-day important things in a business. But when it comes to these long-term important things like writing a book, uh, if you ask all those 200 people, most of them will say that, yes, it's there in my bucket list, but I'm planning to do it next year. And that next year keeps getting pro- postponed to the next year. So that's the challenge. People think that writing a book is this gigantic project. And uh, that's why they fear that um, if I focus on this, I may miss out on something else that's important. And that's why they procrastinate. And the sad part is they don't have to do it alone, right? Just like mm-hmm. any other thing, any other big project, if you're like, for example, if you want to make a movie out of your life story, you're not going to do everything on your own. You're going to find somebody to produce it. You're going to find some casting director, some music director to put all this together. But unfortunately, when it comes to writing a book, people think I need to do everything myself, shut myself in my room and be alone and do all of this without the world knowing about it. And that's why they get intimidated and they don't do it. You make a good point. Not a lot of people do uh, like build businesses by themselves. They bring in chief revenue officers, chief financial officers. They bring in salespeople. Mm-hmm. So why should a book be any different? You don't have to tackle the whole thing by yourself. I know my father published his own book, but he brought in a, a ghostwriter and he brought in a, a branding team as well to kind of help him with the entire mm-hmm. process um, to make it easier because he has his own business to run at the same time as well. Um I watched the talk you gave, a TEDx talk. I'm reading from my screen here. I think it was called The Importance of Hiring Your Own bo- Boss. Yes. You talk about how you your bank account almost went to zero. I was in a similar situation myself. I've been self-employed. I'm 28 now. I've been self-employed since I've come out of university, probably 21 years old. Um, and I know I exited business a while ago and I was uh, in no rush to make any money. And... 
uh, as the months and months went on, the bank account got lower and lower until I started my next venture. And that kind of gave me that fire and then it my ass to start it. So, um, and there's stats out there to show that a lot of businesses fail. And I don't know mm-hmm. if it's because um, they don't have any accountability. Um, I, I, I certainly know what it's like to be self-employed. So why do you think it's important that we have our own boss? And where can people look to help them find their boss. When you, when you say boss, I'm assuming you mean like a coach or a consultant. Exactly, like a mentor or somebody who can guide us, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lo- the mistake that many entrepreneurs, especially first-time entrepreneurs make is they decide to come out of their jobs so that they don't have to be accountable to their bosses and they can become their own boss. Mm-hmm. You may have a horrible boss, but then when you don't have any boss, that's, I think, a worse situation because there is zero accountability, nobody to question us, nobody to... Uh, course correct us and ensure uh, somebody to just tell us that hey this is your goal and these are the steps steps you are taking and uh, probably this one is right but that one is wrong somebody to just tell us that right mm-hmm. uh, or just ask us that hey last week you committed to doing that have you done that something like that so when we don't have that person to hold us accountable and ask those important questions we take things for granted we get distracted we look at the next shiny object that's come up uh, you know next social media platform where we should be present so we keep running behind a lot of things and we don't understand uh, we don't have we don't have that grounding um, and we don't center ourselves to what's really important but when we find a coach so to answer your next question where do you find coaches thanks to the internet we can look at all the people who are like many steps ahead of us within the same industry so we just have to see who are we be uh, whom can we align ourselves to who is it that i can uh, connect with and feel that uh, i want to be like them a few years later and then see what is that they have to offer do they have an online course do they have a membership um uh, community or are they offering one on one coaching if they have that please go grab that it may be a bit of an investment initially but in the long term working with a coach uh, who is who has walked the path that you want to walk is priceless mm. i i i agree you did a video recently on the important lessons you learned from your coach yeah. uh, two of those things were managing uh, time using your calendar and breaking down your annual goals and monthly targets i'd like to focus on the first one which is managing your time using your calendar how um what was life like before you implemented that and life like since you've implemented that? Such a great question, Rian. So before that, I used to think that I'm well organized because my calendar will say that I have a few meetings scheduled today. Mm. So I was very happy with that because I, I'm at least hap- uh, not just using my diary, but Google Calendar is, te- you know, is like using technology to mm-hmm. the fullest. So I, th- I used to think that I'm very productive, but then I realized there are a lot of timings in between meetings, which are just white spaces with, uh, with nothing, which means I can do whatever I want. I can either have a productive team training or I can be watching Netflix. So that's the challenge. And I realized that now I have a, uh, kind of, uh, you know, a theme for every day. So Mondays is all the internal meetings. So I have a meeting with my two important teams. One is the sales and marketing and the other is operations. So that way, all the Mondays have that meetings repeatedly. Before we used to do it whenever we wanted it or whenever there was like a a fire to be put off, you know, some Mm -hmm. client is uh, having a problem. That's when we would have a meeting. But now those 
basic things are really scheduled well. So every Wednesday is a training day. So, you know, we uh, know everybody in the team knows that uh, this is expected out of them. And on Fridays, I have one-on-one -on -one with my team members. So, which means that, that those time slots are gone. And then comes all my interviews and other things where I do meetings with people uh, outside my organization. It could be client meetings or podcast interviews. So those are also marked in my calendar. So it's really clear. Now comes the important uh, other white spaces. So that's mostly now comprising of all the things that I need to do um, for generating business. I mostly focus on the marketing. So I have one hour of networking time every day where I network with my existing clients and prospective clients. So those were never there in my calendar before. I would just do it whenever uh, I wanted to. But now, since we are very um, clear about the goals, I'm able to uh, demarcate between uh, my personal time and my work time. So for example, time with my kids is already marked out on my calendar. So a client cannot book a call at the same time. So I feel that it looked like too much of, you know, uh, strict boundaries, but now it has given me more freedom because I'm able to give the time for my hobbies, for my family, date nights with my husband, things like that. And also be very clear about my work-related uh, time uh, zones. Amazing. I love that uh, lesson that you've shared. I know a lot of people, myself included, use their calendar to... Uh, run their days off to make it easier because then they just got to pay attention to their calendar. Um, I'm always interested in people's go-to-market strategy. Uh, you mentioned there a minute ago around your focus predominantly or mainly on marketing side of things and you said you do networking. Um, I imagine that a lot of your, and you could correct me if I'm wrong here, a lot of your new business comes from referrals having worked with over 500 authors in 35 different countries. But what like how do you generate new clients is it from referrals from previous clients is it from networking a lot is it from advertising online you've given i don't know if you've given more than two but i know i can i've watched two tedx talks you've given just give me a broad overview of what it is sure so in my initial days of start uh, when we started happy self-publishing i did not know the power of referral marketing. So once in a while, a nice client would just refer their friend, but there was no structure or a system for that. For that. But right now we have something called the Happy Self-Publishing Ambassador Program. So every new client who signs up is immediately told about this ambassador program during their first kickoff call with the team. So we don't wait till the project gets over for them to send us their client, their friends. But right at the beginning, we tell them that, hey, you get a 10% commission whenever your friend uh, is referred to us and uh, they sign up for publishing their book. So that's become a core part of our uh, marketing and sales process because sales becomes very easy when it comes through a referral. And usually the quality of the clients we get is also far higher when it comes from our previous clients. So mm. my best uh, uh, option would be uh, referral marketing. The, the second thing from where we get a lot of clients is um, networks. So again, this is something I had during my initial uh, days because the business started because I was a part of a network of authors. Mm -hmm. So I was writing my book and I was a part of an author community. So after I published my book, I got this idea of offering this as a service to other authors. And my initial set of clients came from that network. But over the years, I forgot the importance of this. And I realized only last year that maybe I should do this more often because when you're in, in a community, 
uh, or when you're just networking with people on social media, you offer them a lot of value and they remember you when they are ready to write a book. Uh, yeah. Or when I have a nice video, I can just DM them and it give, it creates that spark that I should write a book and they message, can we get on a call? So that yeah. has been my you know second most favorite strategy after referrals. And thirdly, we are also, we've also registered us as a preferred vendor or a preferred partner on several self-publishing websites. So they have this, these list of uh, companies and they, and they rank us based on, uh, you know, the, a lot of uh, criteria, like uh, the reviews from our clients, they themselves speak to some of our team members and get an understanding of our quality. And then they rank us. So based on that, uh, also, I get a lot of people who just Google for companies, they find this website, they look at all these companies in the directory, and then they find us. So far, we've never run ads, but maybe that's the next thing I should do in order to scale the business, probably from next year. But so far, we are pretty uh, good with just these uh, relationship-based you know, marketing strategies. What does success look like to you? To me, Oh, this is such an important question. Mm. Uh, and it keeps the answer keeps changing for me, depending on the stage of life I am at. Uh, right now, I think uh, if I'm able to grow this company to a level where my kids don't have to work at all for money in their, in, when they grow up, when they become adults, and they just have the option to focus on their passion, I think that would... I would call myself a very successful, not just entrepreneur, but a mom as well. Okay. Um, I'm always intrigued by people's answers to that. Um, I'm trying to think of a second question I was going to ask, but I'm actually going to pivot to a, a completely different question. And it's around your favorite aspect. I think it goes well with success. Your favorite aspect of being a, a CEO of the business. Favorite aspect is, mm. um, I mean, the favorite thing I do as a CEO. Mm-hmm. Okay, can I tell two things? Yeah, please, sure. <laughs> One is training my team. I love my Wednesday training sessions because mm -hmm. I feel I'm responsible to train my team. And in order to be in that position, I keep investing in my own self-development. So yep. I read a book, I train them. I go to a seminar, I go back and train my team. So that's one thing I love. The second thing I love doing is interviewing my successful clients on my podcast. That is also a good Genius way to... Yeah, give them back. Uh, and also they would be sharing that interview and that's another great marketing tool for us. Mm -hmm. But I just love to go back and hear their stories six months later because they would have come to me with the, whole, with the goal of just holding their book in their hand one day. But then mm -hmm. after they become an author, so many new opportunities open up. And when they share with me, it just feels so good and it helps me uh, understand the real purpose of what we are doing. Okay, great answer. Um you you kind of alluded to this earlier on in the podcast around the Google calendar, but I'll ask it anyway in case you have a second answer and it's around productivity hacks. So entrepreneurs, uh, I believe time is one of the most important assets you can you, you can have um, because you can't get it back once it's spent. Yeah. Um, so are there any productivity hacks that you've implemented throughout the years to get the most out of your time? Yeah, there, and this is one area I, I want to keep getting better at. But in the last six months, I think one good thing I've done is hired some full-time uh, team members who could take away a lot of these um, tasks, which I need not necessarily do. Um, so 
I've been doing everything myself all these years, except the operational tasks like cover design and editing, which my team members are really good at. Mm -hmm. There are so many other aspects of running the business, like posting on social media, managing my, um, you know, appointments, things like that, right? Which I used to do myself thinking that, you know, why would I want somebody to do this when I can just take five minutes to do this, right? But those five minutes just keep getting uh, added up and it takes away like hours of my time. So now what I've been doing is if I'm doing something for the first time, I would record it either on Zoom or Loom or any software and I would upload it to our uh, training folder and I would tag one of my team members on Slack and I'll tell that person that from next week, I want you to be doing this. So watch this video and ask me if you have any questions. So that way I don't have to keep doing it again and again. So these are especially true for tasks that we keep doing again and again, um, like sending invoices to clients, right? These kind of things need not be done by the CEO because if I end up doing all of that, who is going to be thinking about the strategy, the branding, you know, doing these kind of interviews, right? So I would rather do uh, this stuff rather than doing all the regular stuff. So I have invested a lot now in recording, training, and going back and checking if my team members are doing it right. So that's helped me a lot in um, doing the things I love, not necessarily related to business. I can uh, enroll in a dance class, right? When I have more time, those are the things I love doing. (laughs) I like it. I've got two questions for you. Uh, Two more questions for you. One is if you were to fast forward and imagine or pretend it is now the year 2030, and you're looking back on the last nine or 10 years, um, you can answer this personally or professionally or, or maybe a combination of both. What would you like to be looking back on if you're pretending that it is now the year 2030? Uh, in the sense, what I should have done in the last 10 years? What you'd like to have done in the last 10 years, either prefer- personally or professionally, or as I said, you can, you can give an answer for, for both of them. Uh, well, I would like to be in a position where in the last 10 years, I have built the systems and structures in my company so well that, uh, you know, we are doing multi seven figure um, income uh, revenue in our company. And that has attracted a lot of traditional publishing houses to check with me if uh, I would like to sell the business to them. And I would like to have the choice of running the company myself or, you know, selling it off at a very good price and uh, having maybe an early retirement from this thing and look at what else I can do next that interests me. So I would like to have that choice and that option. But for that, uh, I would have probably done a lot of uh, solid work in the next 10 years. Amazing. Well, I hope that comes through for you. And the the final question uh, for, for this podcast is, if you could travel to any country in the world uh, on your next holiday, what country would that be? I would like to go back to Bali. I just love that place. Well, I've never been. I do plan to go to it. I lived in I lived in Australia for a year, and a lot of my friends would go to Bali because we were on the west coast of yeah. Perth, and Perth is really close. It's like four or five hours from Bali, so I, I do want to get to it at some point. But uh, awesome. Well, thank you for being my guest on today's podcast. I hope that 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 vision come comes through for you in the next ten years. Um, it's it's been an absolute pleasure spending the last. 30 35 minutes getting to know you a little more getting to know why people uh should consider writing a book and and why some people don't write book or what holds them back but uh pushing through that and sharing tips on your google calendar and a a variety of other things for anyone interested uh in writing their own book or exploring the idea 
of writing their own book. Links below to connect with uh, your... I've mispronounced your name again. Apologies. It's Jotsna. Jotsna. Apologies for that. Anyone wants to connect to Jotsna on LinkedIn, you can click her LinkedIn profile below. Or if they want to check out her website, as I said, the likes of Brian Tracy and 500 other authors have, have reviewed her. So do take the time to check it out. But for today, thanks again for being my guest, Jotsna. And it's been an absolute pleasure. If your metro don't trust you, I'm gonna show you. Beautiful morning, you're the sun of my morning, baby.